How come you're always picking on my child? You're the teacher. Why didn't you call me when you first knew about this? This is really unfair, and I'm not the only parent who thinks this way. Did those parent comments sound familiar? Have you ever been challenged by a parent? I know I have. This is one of the areas that most teachers didn't receive in their teacher training or during their teaching career. So we know you'll find this material practical and useful. My name is Jeff Fink. I've been an educator in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area and spent a career teaching at a variety of grade levels in general and special education as well as serving as a full-time faculty member in the Graduate School of Education at Hamlin University. And my name is John Halpern. I've also been in education, serving in public and private settings, as a classroom teacher and as a school counselor. And I've also worked with graduate students at Hamlin University. Together, through our company ChildSense, John and I have been presenting classes and seminars for parents and educators on areas related to child behavior. We utilize a unique style of presenting in that we act out different situations that are pretty familiar to listeners, and we do that for several reasons. It gives all listeners something common to analyze, it imp implants a memory of the concepts presented, and perhaps most importantly, it's entertaining. We're confident this will help you internalize these concepts, preparing you for times when you're in a situation being challenged by a parent. As teachers, most of us have been or will be confronted by a parent who questions our competency. Sometimes this concern is specific in nature. They have a complaint or don't understand why we do something the way we do it. Other times, the challenge originates from a parental concern that questions whether as their child's teacher, we are willing to put in the time and effort necessary to help their child succeed. Sometimes our concern may even come from an issue that has nothing to do with us. We've learned that when parents know that we care about their concerns and about their children, they are much less likely to challenge us. It can be hard, though, to express that care and concern while we're being challenged, especially when that challenge takes us by surprise. Have you ever heard a parent claim that you don't like their child? Or that you give too much homework? Or how about being told that you always seem to pick on or blame their child, or that you're racist or sexist? Now these are accusations that must be taken seriously, yet how is one supposed to respond to these kind of comments right as they're being delivered? It's hard to stay calm when it feels like you're under attack. We're going to share some of what we've learned about responding to parents at these moments. First, Let's talk about typical first responses to hostile accusations from parents. Probably the most common reaction is to become defensive or to defend oneself when we believe we're being unfairly accused. It might sound like this. Uh, I don't think that's true. I would never do such a thing. Uh, actually, I call on your child as much as I call on anyone. This kind of response can cause the parent to think that what they're saying is untrue. Another response is to gloss over or almost ignore the parent concern by being dismissive. Oh, no, I don't. That's silly. 
You know me better than that. This kind of response may cause the parent to think the teacher doesn't think what they have to say is important. Or we might even say something that could be divisive. For example, if a parent stops you in school and complains that you aren't doing enough to help their child develop friendships, a response that might create a divide would be to say, well, you should see how your daughter treats the other kids. It's no wonder she doesn't have any friends. Now, although what the teacher said might be true, do you see how that type of response can create an alliance between the parent and the teacher against the child? While it's tempting to respond in a defensive, dismissive, or divisive manner, it usually just makes the situation more volatile and makes productive communication more difficult. Let's look at a situation that involves those three D's that Jeff just mentioned, defensive, dismissive, or divisive. Hi, Mr. Halpern. It is nice to see you. I'm so glad you could come to conferences tonight. Come on in and have a seat and we can talk about your daughter. Um, thank you. Well, let's get started. We have a lot to cover. Well, actually, I'd like to start with some things that my daughter said about why she doesn't like school this year. Oh, she doesn't? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, you know, she thinks you don't like her, and, and it's really bothering her. I don't like her? That's just not true. I greet her each day. I'm always calling on her. I even complimented her on a recent assignment. Well, I'm just telling you what she's told me. That's just ridiculous. I like all my students. Well, this is the first year I've ever heard anything like this. She's always liked school before this year. Well, maybe before this year she did a better job on her schoolwork. You know, she's not really working up to her ability. That's what I wanted to talk to you about today. I think if she worked harder, she might like school better. Well, now wait a minute. Have you ever had a situation like that? Did any of those teacher responses sound familiar? Did you notice how an interaction between the parent and teacher grew more intense? How would you have felt if you were the teacher in that situation? Can you remember a time a parent was critical of you or your teaching practice? What effect would those responses have had on the parent? Would the parent have left feeling better about his daughter's relationship with her teacher? Would he feel that the teacher truly cared about his daughter? Was communication opened up or closed by this interaction? The teacher's response to this parent may have accurately reflected what he believed to be true. However, his way of responding to the parent only served to fragment the relationship and close communication between them. All right, well, let's listen to another situation and see if you can identify the responses that could be defensive, dismissive, or divisive. Hi, Mr. Halpern. I'm David's dad. Do you have a minute? I'd, I'd like to talk to you. Well, uh, hi, Mr. Fink. Sure, I've got a few minutes. What's up? Well... My wife and I are concerned that David isn't getting called on enough in class. He studies hard, and he's a good student. I think it would be helpful for him if he was called on a little bit more. 
Now, can you imagine what could come next? How could the teacher have responded in a defensive, dismissive, or divisive way? Here's how it might have sounded. Mr. Fink, you know, I have 30 other kids in this class. I don't just avoid calling on your child. It's very important to me that everyone gets a chance to answer. I spend a lot of time figuring out who's already had a chance to answer. I work really hard at being fair. Oh, Mr. Fink, all the parents want their kids to be called on more. You're not alone. Here, let me just show you some of his recent work. You know, Mr. Fink, I understand that you'd like to see your son get called on more, but you don't see what goes on in class. Sometimes David blurts out his responses when the expectation is that students raise their hand. I believe if he worked on raising his hand when wanting to share, he might just get called on more. Did these types of responses sound familiar? Can you see how these responses, even if they were accurate, would tend to close off communication? So then what should we do when we are being challenged by a parent? I can remember a time when a parent came to me upset about something she thought I had done. I was so surprised, I just stood there, dumbfounded, listening to her incorrect accusations and interpretations. I wanted to jump in to say something to defend myself, but I didn't. I was surprised to see that by waiting, listening, and letting her get it all out, she actually calmed herself down. She then realized that she may have made some assumptions and was ready to hear my thoughts on her concerns. This tells us that sometimes the best way to diffuse a difficult situation is to let the person say what they need to say. By using respectful listening to their concerns and helping them articulate all of their points, many people calm themselves down because they feel they're being listened to. Respectful listening can be a useful response to challenging parents. By using respectful listening, which includes appropriate eye contact and small encouraging responses, communication can remain open, and during this time we can listen for another important opportunity to diffuse the situation. During most interactions, when a parent challenges us, they often make a point that we find we can agree with. Now if we listen for that moment and offer some comment of agreement or empathy, we now find that we've aligned ourselves with them and can begin the process of moving forward together. It's not always easy to identify these moments, but with practice, most of us will be able to find opportunities to come over to their side of the problem instead of trying to drag them over to our side by having them see it our way. Ultimately, we need to be honest, accurate, and true to ourselves but if we want to keep communication open with parents to solve problems or concerns, we first need to show them that we care about their concerns. Also, we would suggest you consider taking notes while the parent is expressing their concerns. This will accomplish several things. It will help aid in your response to the parent. It will give you a record of their concerns which may also be useful later if there's a need to consult with your administrator, and maybe most importantly, it will show the parent that their concerns matter to you. Taking notes can be a useful response to challenging parents. So let's revisit the first situation that we discussed earlier. Listen to the teacher use respectful listening to encourage the parent to express his concerns. Then notice the teacher finding something he can agree with.
Hi, Mr. Halpern. It's nice to see you. I'm so glad you could come to conferences tonight. Come on in and have a seat and we can talk about your daughter. Oh, thank you. Well, let's get started. We have a lot to cover. Well, actually, I'd like to start with some things that my daughter said about why she doesn't like school this year. Oh, oh, really? I'm surprised. I'd like to hear about that. Well, she thinks you don't like her. Really? Yeah, and it's really bothering her. I can understand why that would bother her and, and why it would bother you, too. I got to let you know, it also bothers me. That certainly isn't the feeling I want your daughter to have. I'd really appreciate the opportunity to talk to your daughter, or both of you together, on what I could do so that she's more comfortable with me and school. Would you be willing to do that? Well, that was a little different. The teacher agreed with the parent that he didn't want their child to come home feeling that way. What effect would those responses have had on the parent? Would the parent have left feeling better about his daughter's relationship with her teacher? Would he feel that the teacher truly cared about his daughter? And was communication opened up or closed by this interaction? By finding something to agree with, we have aligned ourselves with the parent and can begin the process of moving forward together. Now let's revisit the other situation and see if you can identify something you can agree with. Uh, hi, Mr. Halpern. I, I'm David's dad. Um, do you have a minute? I'd like to talk to you. Uh, hi, Mr. Fink. Yeah, sure. I have a few minutes. What's up? Well, my wife and I are concerned that David isn't getting called on enough. He studies hard and he's a good student. I think it would help the class if he was called on more. Were you able to find a point that you could have agreed with? Could you have agreed that you would also like to see David called on more? Could you agree that he's a good student? Here's an example of how this might have sounded. Uh, hi, Mr. Halpern. I'm David's dad. Do you have a minute? I'd like to talk to you. Uh, hi, Mr. Fink. Sure, I have a few minutes. What's up? Well, my wife and I are concerned that David isn't getting called on enough in class. He studies hard, and he's a good student. I think it would be good for him to be called on more often. I know he studies hard, and I agree. He is a good student. He also makes great contributions to our class discussions. Well, I'm glad you've noticed that. Yeah, yeah, I have. And, you know, I'm glad you're bringing this to my attention. I will work on providing David with more opportunities to contribute to class. I also want you to know though, that sometimes David blurts out in class when the expectation is for people to raise their hands to be called on. Perhaps we can also help David with that. Did you hear what the teacher could agree with? He could agree that David studies hard and is a good student. By finding something to agree with, the teacher was able to first align himself with the parent and then deliver the more difficult message of needing to raise his hand to be called on more often. Too often we bypass this first part and then miss an opportunity to have our main message received. Finding something to agree with takes practice because it's not always our natural response. Let's look at a few more situations. See if you can find something you could agree with if these were happening to you. 
What could you agree with if a parent stopped you in the hall and complained that you give too much homework and that the child is spending too much time on it each night? Were you able to see that the teacher could have agreed that they do not want the child to have to spend excess time on their homework each night? The teacher could also have acknowledged that they were glad the parent brought this to their attention because this is an important issue. The teacher also could have commented that they were glad the student took their homework so seriously. What if you just told a parent that the child had done something wrong in class and their response is, you're always picking on my child. I suppose my child is the only one who ever does something wrong? Now, you may have been thinking that this child is the one that usually does most of the things wrong in class. Hopefully, you're realizing this is not the time to bring that up. Communication can continue, even during this potentially intense situation, by finding that point that you can agree with. Now, the teacher could have said, Oh, it must be awful to feel like I'm picking on your child. I'm sorry if it seems that way to you. This isn't the way I want it to be. I also want to make sure I'm giving you the information that I figure you'd want to know about his behavior and performance in the classroom. Sometimes it is hard for a parent to discuss their child's behavior. A parent can feel overwhelmed or maybe even responsible for their child's behavior. In this situation, it wasn't until the teacher related to the parent's feelings that the parent may have been ready to discuss the issue at hand. All right, let's try one more. What could you say if a parent accused you of being racist because you only choose the white kids to do things in class? This is a pretty serious accusation. It will be especially important to avoid the three Ds and respond in a manner that keeps communication open. It's always important to avoid placating or patronizing the parents. That can be especially hard with these more complex constructs. Were you able to think of something you could say that would demonstrate that their concerns matter to you? You could have said something like, I'm really glad you're bringing this to my attention. Would you like to tell me more about it? I do believe there's too much racism in the world, and if my hidden biases are contributing... I really do want to know about that so I can change my behavior. Or you could have said, it sounds like you think I'm being unfair because I pick certain kids to do things more than others. I'm going to be watching for that and making some changes if that's the case. I don't want to be unfair to anyone. And if I am, that's important for me to know. Finding something you can agree with is a simple guide. But as we said earlier, it takes practice to master. This principle can be effective in managing conflicts with others as well. Some teachers have found it helpful to write down the three responses to challenging parents. Number one, respectful listening. Number two, finding something to agree with. And number three, taking notes. And they post it somewhere where they'll see it to remind themselves to resist their initial urge to respond in a way that's defensive, dismissive, or divisive. It's important to remember that even though we're finding that point that we can agree with, we're still committing ourselves to being honest. We don't let our agreement deflect us from still delivering important messages. I also learned an important lesson many years ago. A very demanding parent contacted me about a concern. While I was tempted to dismiss her comments because she complained so often, I listened to him 
and I realized that she had a legitimate concern regarding something I had neglected to do. So I said to her, I apologize. I'm sorry. You are correct. I did not do what I said I was going to do, and I am sorry. I'm going to get on that right away. Well, it was her next comment that really surprised me. She said, you know, you're the first person at this school to apologize to me and take responsibility for their mistake. Thank you. Sometimes an apology is in order. This can often be the best response during a conflict, and if we can keep our egos out of the way, it's not that difficult to do. Of course, we should never feel a need to apologize if we believe we did nothing wrong. But it makes a powerful statement when we can take responsibility for the mistakes we have truly made. Also, remember that none of us should allow ourselves to become victims of ver verbal abuse by others. If a parent, coworker, or student is talking to you in a way that feels threatening or abusive, it's important to set your own boundaries and put an end to the interaction. So, to review, remember the next time you find yourself in a conflict with parents and you desire to maintain communication during those tense situations, these following principles will help. First, avoid the three Ds, being defensive, dismissive, or divisive. Second, use respectful listening. Third, take notes. And fourth, find something to agree with. Here are a few other suggestions for responding to parents. When contacting parents, script or write out what you plan to say to them about their child. During meetings with parents, be mindful about how you describe misbehavior. State the facts and avoid judgments. End meetings with parents on a positive note. Summarize the main points that were discussed and thank them for participating. Remember that most parents believe they're acting in the best interest of their child. Invite parental input for solutions. If a meeting becomes hostile, reschedule it for another time and include an administrator. And if a parent confronts you when you're not prepared for a meeting or where having one would not be appropriate, invite them to set up an appointment with you at the place of your choosing. Finding something to agree with and these other ideas are not tricks designed to coerce or manipulate parents. They are authentic tools to open up, restore, or maintain communication with parents so that we can all work together for our mutual goal, supporting students. Thank you for allowing us to share some of our ideas with you today. We're confident that you will find great rewards in applying our material to your professional and personal life. We invite you to visit our website at www.childsense.net for materials related to this topic and others for educators and parents. And using the code PODCAST will give you a 25% discount on all materials. Our next podcast is called How to Teach a Lesson Without a Confession. It's about those times when you're pretty sure a student has done something wrong, but you can't prove it. Tune into this podcast in November and look for more information on Child Sense on Facebook and LinkedIn. Good luck with your important work with children. They're lucky to have you in their lives. 
We look forward to being with you next month when we discuss how to teach a lesson without a confession. Jeff and John offer presentations on a number of topics related to working with children. Their entertaining style makes for a memorable learning environment where content is retained for the future use of its participants. Please contact John and Jeff at ChildSense for more information.